Today we have Nora Sedith. She is co-founder of Hello Audio and a leading marketing and conversion strategist who has helped businesses sell over $500 million of products and services online. She's also designed several courses, coaching, and certification programs that have generated millions more. So welcome, Nora. We can't wait to learn about you and your company and get the tips from you, which she's going to share some unique ways businesses can use private podcasts in their business, which we love to hear more about podcasts, and then why audio, not video, is audio the new video. This is Vicki Wu, and as always, we're talking about the best tips for marketing your small business. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of the latest updates. So she's going to share those tips. You'll want to stay tuned for those. So welcome. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I want to start by talking a little bit about why you started your business. Our audience always loves to hear kind of the reason behind it and give them some inspiration. Absolutely. So Hello Audio was actually co-founded by three for three people. So myself and I have two co-founders, Lindsay and Derek Padilla. And so really what the concept of Hello Audio was built out of unfinished courses. So I don't know how many folks are listening right now that have purchased courses. I know I'm guilty as charged. I've spent a lot of money on courses or coaching programs, and I haven't finished them with all good intentions, right? We buy with great intentions. We all want to log in and, and finish all of those amazing videos. But a lot of times life just gets in the way. And so originally, Hello Audio started as Podcast Your Course because we, you know, Lindsay and I had both started helping folks create courses and, and you know, coaching programs. And we knew that consumption rates were not great. So we figured, well, why not make it easy for people to consume our courses? And that's where the concept of private audio feeds or private podcasts came into play is why, you know, why not use this protected? Because obviously a lot of us charge for our courses. Why not put it into a, a protected feed, which means it's not available for the general public. It's a private feed. You get to control who gets access to it and for how long. Why not put our courses in here, which will allow people to listen on the go? So that's originally how Hello Audio started. And it really became, you know, everyone, I don't know anyone who doesn't have an audience that's busy, especially these days. And for myself, you know, as, as a busy parent, as a busy mom, I needed a way to consume information on the go. So to me, private podcast was an amazing solution. And since then, you know, we're now over a year old and the, the company has grown. We have well over a thousand users and they're using private podcasts for a lot more than just courses. I love that idea. Obviously, 99.999% of the people listening to this podcast as entrepreneurs, we have so much going on in our life. And sometimes just being able to listen to a podcast or a course in this case, while you're doing something else, you're on the treadmill or you're cleaning the kitchen and washing dishes. I love to put one on when I'm just kind of cleaning the house and don't have to be mind engaged and can yeah. do some learning and maybe some self-care and soul searching and, or just, you know, listen to one of the fun ones about murder conspiracy. Absolutely. <laughs> or... love those true crime podcasts. <laughs> So how has it grown? You said it started with this mm -hmm. private podcasting and over the past year or so, especially where COVID is involved, yes. has that had an impact on your business and how has it changed? 
You know, absolutely. I mean, on, on the consulting side, I would say I spent a lot more time helping businesses just get things online, right? And help people be, you know, create information that's more consumable. So, you know, a lot of us as entrepreneurs, and I'm sure everyone listening, if you're creating content of any kind, what what's the point of creating that content? It's because you want someone to consume it, right? And so with the pandemic, a lot of folks now had a lot more time on their hands. Um, we started consuming, we started to see uh, the way people were consuming information was a little bit different. The number of hours that were spent consuming audio information skyrocketed. So for us on the, on the business side, it was, you know, everyone wanted to start using audio to reach their audience because that started to be hot. You also saw during the pandemic, things like Clubhouse, got launched, right? So now audio became really cool again, right? It was all of a sudden it kind of came back around from, you know, where it was with radio and, you know, satellite radio. And now we're reaching people with podcasts and private podcasts. So audio got really big for us last year. And I'll say, you know, because of the pandemic, and, and I think this is probably true across multiple industries, people got more creative with how, what they were doing, not only with their business, and I'm sure many of you listening had to pivot and to do things a little bit differently than maybe you were before. And so a lot of folks started to use audio for very unique and different ways. And that actually gave us some space to really figure out what are all of the different use cases. And I still don't think we've uncovered them all, but we have well over 50 different ways that people can use private podcasts in their business to help grow their business, to help attract leads, to help convert leads, and to help people have more success with whatever they're buying in your, in your product, whether it's courses or, or coaching and all that, because we all know that client success is important to building a, a sustainable business. So I would say the pandemic really shine more light on audio, uh, especially as people started to consume it. I always love seeing when marketing trends come back around and, you know, we're not yeah. talking fashion trends like, oh, bell bottoms or back in style totally or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I've been doing marketing long enough that I started in the really traditional media forms of television, radio, print, and seeing it kind of come back into vogue again is always interesting. Yes. And luckily I've been able to take what I learned the first time around. And I already had some of the expertise and then it was just tweaking it to put it into a more digital world. So I started my first podcast on audio only when there wasn't really video available. Wow. That was a long time ago. That one's not still going because it's completely unrelated and not relevant anymore, but it's fun to kind of see it come around again and find more creative uses like you. I mentioned. love it. It's so true. And, and to have audio come back around and be as popular as it has, has been really exciting. And now we're actually being able to use this old medium and in new and different ways, which I think is really important. And just like you, I started in corporate too. I had a, I had a 15 plus year corporate career. So I was um, maybe more traditional in some of the business and processes that we worked with back then. And now being able to be more on the cutting edge with entrepreneurs and businesses who have the flexibility um, and, and spirit to do things a little bit differently is, is really, really cool. And everyone has the technology to be able to do it. My first audio podcast go round, the microphones were expensive. If you had a computer that was capable of recording audio, that computer was expensive. Yes. The software to do it was expensive. And we've changed so much since then. I, I love to see how that's helping people spread their message further, which is really great. Yes, it makes it so much more accessible because to your point, you know, it, I even think some folks that aren't familiar with podcasting may have a perception that it takes a lot 
to get something up and running. And if you're doing maybe a traditional weekly show, yeah, you know, it's a commitment, right? You're showing up and you're doing amazing work to make this podcast as amazing as it is. But if you're using a private podcast for a course or to help with your weekly coaching calls, if you're doing weekly coaching calls in your group and you're putting those as a replay option to let people consume it in a different way, it's really not that difficult. You know, really, if you look at what's required to create a podcast nowadays, it's not that expensive and you can absolutely launch for under $100. So when you first started your business, what were a couple of your biggest either business in general or marketing specific issues that you ran into? Yeah. So SaaS, you know, software as a service and just selling software is a little bit different. Now, luckily when I was in corporate, I had experience selling software and selling software platforms. And I also had worked with Russell Brunson at ClickFunnels for several years. So I had a really great um, amount of, of history and experience to kind of pull from when it comes to selling software, but it is very different than selling yourself, right? Selling a service or selling coaching or a certification program or something like that. So, you know, when we look at the marketing specifically related to SaaS, a lot of it is demonstration. If you've ever thought of any piece of software that you've ever purchased, usually the biggest objection to buying software is how long is it going to take me to learn and use this? right? Especially if you've done it more than (laughs) once, right? It only really takes buying one software platform that was difficult to use that kind of turned you off to buying more tools, right? Yeah. If it's going to take take six months, I'm out. (laughs) Forget it. And And most people don't love it. Yeah. You're technical and most people aren't. So to even, you know, put that in a different perspective too, for folks that don't like it, that don't like the tech kind of piece of it, it makes it even Uh, more challenging to be able to sell. So we knew that going into it, right? We kind of had that background living in this entrepreneurial space for several years before we launched this. We knew it had to be easy to use. And so we purposely built this software so that we could help serve that community, the community that needs to get up and running quickly, especially during the pandemic, people that needed to move fast. And I don't know what entrepreneur doesn't want to move quickly, right? We always want to make sure that we're doing things quickly, but with quality. And that was really important to us too. So one of the biggest things we focused on in the marketing piece was making sure people knew how easy it was to use. And so, you know, for us right now, we're, we have a statistic that over 70% of our users launch their first feed in 24 hours or less, which I think is really impressive because most of the time we call it time to value, right? In, in this SaaS world or in the SaaS space, most of the time it, with other SaaS platforms or other software platforms, it usually takes their users longer to actually get value out of their platform. So we're really proud that we purposely built it with that in mind and really kind of decided to, to, to focus on that with messaging. And actually just recently, so this is something that we recently did is we took away the credit card requirement from starting a, a trial because we knew that as soon as people got in there and really saw, we wanted to prove it to them. Right? It's really easy to use, but don't just take our word for it. Go ahead and sign up. No credit card re- you know, required. Go ahead and try it. And that was a really big turning point in our marketing as well. I love that because even if I come across a trial that I'm pretty confident I'm going to want to keep using based upon what other people have said, what I've seen on their website. Sometimes the trial is kind of a spur of the moment thing. And I may not have my credit card in hand. And I'm like, do I really want to go in, you know, it's in that other room where my husband is doing his work. He may be on a call and just that one little step would make me more likely to go ahead and sign up for the trial. And then of course, if you have a pretty much 24 hour turnaround, obviously the 
the person signing up is going to have to do a little work there. But if there's that quick of a turnaround, it gives you an opportunity to actually start testing it versus some of these that give you like a one week trial, but then it takes you one month to even get it set up. That's an excellent decision you made there, obviously. And you know that I'm sure the numbers are telling you that. The numbers are absolutely telling us that. But the the really cool thing is I've worked with hundreds of clients over the years. The same principle applies when you're not selling SaaS. So I know a lot of folks that might be listening to this aren't software, you know, owners of of software companies, but it's true that in terms of being able to provide value quickly, when someone comes into your world, whether that's a course or coaching program, whatever it is that you're selling, being able to provide that value quickly is really important for the longevity and the loyalty of your and, and just the brand equity of, of your brand for sure. So true. And in my case, and I have an interesting mix because some of my services, I'm using software as a service to fulfill it. I'm not selling the software itself, but it's a component of it. And then of course, my services. So for example, something like building a website or search engine optimization, where I'm doing a a lot of the heavy lifting on the background and the client may not see that as it's actively happening until I show them a result or a report or they see it on their website. I've had to find ways to get them involved from the beginning, even if that's something as simple as send them the initial audit report that I do of their existing SEO or send them a questionnaire of what colors and fonts do you want to use on your website? Something to get them kind of in that trial phase like that Mm -hmm. so that the engagement is happening because what I've found, what I'm sure you know, what other entrepreneurs have experienced, if there's too long of a delay between that initial start date and when the customer gets involved in the process, you you can lose some of the momentum and then it tends to kind of just drag everything out further. So everyone needs to find a way to do something similar. Even if the customer's already paid, you need something to start that relationship going and moving it along pretty quickly. Absolutely. Not not even a a tip that you were going to give, but you did. (laughs) Extra, Extra bonus. There we go. So what do you wish someone had told you about being an entrepreneur before you started? Oh, that's a great question. You know, coming from corporate, um, and and I know that there's probably folks listening that maybe have a side hustle or are working their nine to five. My corporate job was more like eight to six. (laughs) It was, you know, really long days, sometimes seven to seven. Um, I, for me, I, I looked at entrepreneurship as a way to control my schedule. Right. So, um, which to some extent in, you know, hindsight is always 2020. Right. So looking at that um, in the early days, I I definitely put in more hours than I did uh, in, in the corporate kind of, kind of space because I didn't turn it off, but at the same time I was in control of that. Right. Right. So I think, you know, had I, I think having the background that I did, so I have three degrees, I've got, you know, the engineering degrees, the computer science, and I have my MBA. So I was, my business acumen was fairly high. So I kind of didn't go into it blind. So I knew what it took to run a profitable business. I understood operations. I had a project management background. So in that perspective, I was very, very lucky, very blessed that I kind of had that to fall back on. So my, I was going in with eyes wide open in terms of business. Um, and demand and just economics in general. So I think what I would have 
um, really thought through more if someone would have sat me down and said, um, just be prepared for how much you have to put yourself out there. I think that was something I wasn't expecting because in, in the corporate space, you know, you're, you're part of a team, right? Usually you're working in harmony with a team or an organization, whether you're sitting in the C-suite, there's still a team of folks, you know, that are, that are with you and that are kind of supporting you and you're working with, whereas is an entrepreneurship often, especially when you start, you're, it's you. And, you know, maybe you have an assistant or, you know, you're lucky to be able to, to add that person in fairly early in your business. But it, it's you that is showing up. And I think, you know, that's something I, I really wish I would have either had a discussion early on and, and been more prepared for just to be that face and to show up as, as much as we needed to, to, to get the, the business off the ground. I always remind my clients and also just kind of entrepreneurs in general, I answer questions quite often, either that come through my own website or on some social media groups that I've joined just to be able to share that knowledge or on other forums. And two things that I see very commonly is first, the entrepreneur that doesn't have that same extensive business background or business degree. And they're like, oh, I started my website last month and I don't have any sales. Why? Okay. It's not the field of dreams. Yeah. I, yep. That's question number one. And then the second one is that kind of maybe time piece. I left the corporate world because of 80 hour weeks. Yeah. And yes, I have much more control of my schedule now, but when you're starting a business, you have to put a lot of time and energy into it. You can delay that some and keep it a lower level, but it's going to take you longer to grow, longer to get there. And so if you want to be able to kind of start ramping up some of those critical pieces more quickly, you have to put in a lot of time and a lot of effort. And I like that you brought up kind of being visible, the face of the business as well. When we're in the corporate world, a lot of times that's the CEO. So unless you've been the CEO, it was someone else. Think of Elon Musk and Steve Jobs. You know, you look at those companies that are now corporations and the CEO is the face of it. We become the CEO. And so then you have to be the face of it. Even if you do have a team that you've brought on over time, you're still for the most part, the face of the company. Sometimes that means stepping into kind of a new role that maybe you haven't been in before, even if you've done similar work as part of another company. So that can be kind of a new different role and a change that is maybe outside the comfort zone, but that's kind of a good place to be is outside the comfort zone sometimes. It's true. It's true. And I know, I think the other thing that I knew, but coming from corporate and making decent money in, in this corporate job, you know, I have a client who likes to talk about sweat equity versus check equity. And I think coming from corporate, we're used to check equity, right? We have cash, yes. we pay for things, we hire consultants, right? We are contractors, all the things. And, you know, when you're starting out, a lot of times you don't necessarily have the luxury of writing checks. So there's a lot of sweat equity that has to go into it. And I would even argue sometimes when you're just getting a feel of your market or you're understanding how your, your target audience is speaking and the messaging you should use, right? It's all sweat equity. You can't write checks and you know no one's going to have the, the magic eight ball answer, right? It's like, oh, they use this. You should use this headline. A lot of that is sweat equity. And that's something I wish more people would have that conversation around sweat equity versus check equity, especially for folks that are just starting out. 
Yes. Sweat equity plus bootstrapping is what would get you there unless you're independently wealthy. And if you are, (laughs) I can offer you some marketing services. If you are, I'm just saying. (laughs) I could give you some investment opportunities. Absolutely. So now I want you to share the couple of tips that you have for our audience about these private podcasts. And it's such a great concept and people may have used aspects of it and not even realized that they had, but if it's something that you can get strategic about, I see great opportunity as well. So share your tips. Absolutely. So let me just quickly define what a difference. There's three main differences really between a public podcast, like the one we're doing now and a private podcast. So typically a public podcast is, is, available for the general public, right? You can go to Google, you can go and search it, you can go to the Apple podcast directory and it would show up. But a private podcast doesn't show up in search directories. Typically that's something that where, you know, in a, in a public podcast, everyone who subscribes get access, gets access to it. But in a private podcast, it looks, feels and plays the same as a normal public podcast does, uses the same players that you're probably used to, that you play with your, your normal public podcast, but you get to control who gets access to it. And you get to control how long they get access to it, which is really cool. The other big difference between a public and a private podcast is in the delivery mechanism. So in a public podcast, we push the same episode to everyone at the same time, right? It's, it's, it's a blanket broadcast. Everyone gets the same information at the same time. However, the way we've designed private podcasts at Hello Audio is now you get to control the delivery mechanism. So yes, you can still do date based on this date it publishes, or if this is all available when someone subscribes to this private feed, they get all of this information, which is great for courses. They can kind of binge or things like bingeable content. But now you have the ability to kind of tailor your episode drips based on when the person subscribes to your feed or activates their feed. This is great for all of the entrepreneurs listening that have evergreen types of content, whether you have an evergreen challenge, maybe you have a lead magnet or a, maybe a, 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 a low-end ticket you know, product that is maybe a 30-day meditation product or something where day one is going to be different depending on when they purchase it, or day one is going to be different than, depending on when they opt in. With a private podcast, you get to control that, which is really, really, really cool. The other big difference between the public podcast and a private podcast is just your visibility on the specific people who are listening. So in the public podcast, you've seen your stats, you know how many downloads you're getting, right? You know what episodes are more popular than others based on download counts. And yeah, you can find some stats around where those folks at are at in the world and the devices that they're using. But with private podcasts, you can tie that feed specifically to that person's email address. So now I know that Vicky has listened to this specific episode and I can take action on that. So now private podcasts open up this kind of audio CRM where I can kind of now look at the listener's behavior and I can say, okay, based on the fact that Vicki listened to this episode, now I'm going to tag her in my CRM or I'm going to tag her with this tag and I get to actually personalize the feed. So if, if I wanted to just send a specific episode to you, I can actually send this specific episode to you and no one else subscribed to that same feed would be able to hear it. It is meant just for you and you alone. So not only are you, audio is great for unlocking all of the hours of the day. We're not sitting at this, you know, box in this computer and screen, but all the, you know, screen time we're getting. So not only does it expand your reach, your ability to reach your audience, 
Now with private podcasts, it also helps you increase your relevancy, which we all know from a marketing standpoint is really important just to help with, you know, our relationships and, and nurturing our folks. So those are really the biggest differences between a public podcast, which I think are great, and private podcasts, which now, if you think about all of the potential ways you can use those for protected content, whether it's your lead magnet, whether it's your course, whether it's your coaching call replays, and you're putting all of them in a feed for, for your, your coaching clients to listen to. Um, it also, it will help with onboarding. So we have folks that are using it for client onboarding because none of your clients really want to log onto your portal and watch your, you know, your, your videos to onboard. Some might, but most of them won't. And so now you're able to onboard employees or you know, clients with, with audio and make it a seamless experience. There's just, there's so many different use cases now for private that with all those different nuances and all the ability to personalize that feed, it unlocks so much opportunity. I love that concept because I'm a huge fan of data and analyzing all the data. And I have some systems in place for much like you said, drip content. A lot of it is in the courses and the value of if Nora starts a course and I can go back in two weeks later and say, see that she's only done lesson one. And it's just because, you know, life gets in the way. We kind of forget about the next lesson, whatever it is, I can reach out to her. Yes. And with a personal message, sometimes you can automate those pieces too, but I can reach out and, you know, hey, the second lesson is something that, is, you know, most of the students in the course find the, a lot of value out of, or if I've talked to them as part of, say, a coaching program, and I know that that piece is something that they're needing help with, the ability to see that that person has or hasn't listened to a specific episode is such a great bonus and valuable, valuable, valuable for the entrepreneur versus my public podcast where I can go and see the, say, three people signed up last Friday, but I can't really tell if they've signed up and never listened to anything. If they've signed up and already listened to all of, you know, the episodes that are already out there, there's no good way to tell that. That can be a great use of private audio. And for people who have memberships, because yes. a lot of the clients I work with, they either have courses or memberships or a combination of the two. It's a very great place to be able to use a new technology. And it's very simple because so many people are hesitant to get on video, mm -hmm. but they aren't nearly as hesitant to talk on a microphone when no one can see them. Yes. So if you are one of those people who doesn't want to get on video, that can be a great option as well. I love that kind of those back behind the scenes features, which is really where you get a lot of benefit out of it's it. It's so true. I would say, you know, audio is great for rapid content creation uh, because you're right. It's, it also is a lot easier to edit than video for sure. Much. Cause you don't know, you know, <laughs> if, what facial expressions did your hair move, right? All of that, all of the things that kind of mess up your video edits that make it look choppy, but audio is so much as easier to edit. It's easier to enhance audio. So we have a feature actually in Hello Audio where we, it's run by Dolby.io where we can just like master remaster a, a track and actually it, it takes out all the noise and all of that. So that can all be automated, which is fantastic. But it's also just allows you to, get your ideas out into the world faster. 
I know that's probably one of the biggest things I'm sure you've seen with your clients and I've seen it with mine is that they have these amazing ideas, but then they never get them out into the world. They don't go from idea to execution and audio lets you go from idea to execution quickly. It allows you to test messages really quickly, right? All of the things that make see what, what resonates, what doesn't. It allows you to launch beta courses very quickly, and you can always refine and replace that audio within seconds, right? So there's, there's just a lot of really great aspects that audio brings to the table outside of all the really ninja stuff that allow, that you could do with it, right? In terms of your segmentation of listeners, and we have something in Hello Audio called a super listener score, which basically just helps you identify your hot leads or your hot customers or your hot clients because it's based on the velocity that they're listening to your stuff, right? So the person that just binged your entire podcast, you might want to talk to them, right, this week rather than, you know, and, and having the visibility that you can do that is, is, is just amazing for your business. So your second tip, why audio, not video? And is audio the new video? Oh, I love that question. So- one of the biggest questions we get, and Amy Porterfield asked us this actually before she started using Hello Water. She said, you're not anti-video, are you? No, we're not anti-video. But we have to acknowledge and understand that our audience is on the go. So your content should be as well. That's really the huge benefit of audio and why we see a lot more happening in audio than we do in video, right? Think about it. You're, you're on a run or in my case, maybe on a walk, right? And, and you're not going to sit there and, and have the screen up to your face and, and watch a video. But from a podcast, playing a podcast, you could turn your phone off. You can stick that thing in your pocket and you can go and do whatever you can go with, you know, throughout your day. It just, it integrates so smoothly into everything else that you're doing. The, the cool thing, and, and this is actually one of, because video was really big. It was, I don't know, last year, two years ago, it was everything video, video, video. So one of the things that we did purposely at Hello Audio is we made the ability to drag and drop in, in bulk. So bulk upload videos, and we automatically strip the audio for you. So you don't have to go to all those weird, janky, shady websites <laughs> that kind of do it for you. We, we handle that. But the one reason we did that is because we knew that a lot of folks had invested a lot of time and money um, into this video production. And it, it's sad when you put all much that time and energy into a, in creating amazing videos and they still don't get consumed. It has nothing to do with your amazing content or your message. It has everything to do with the fact that people are just busy and they're not making the time or they're finding it difficult to make the time to do it. So we love to see, you know, is, is audio the, the next video? I, I think so. I think it's just going to continue to grow in popularity. I mean, the, the signs are on the wall when we look at Spotify's acquisitions and, and the moves that some of these big companies are making, but it, it really just stems from the point that people are busy. People are, are on the go. They are mobile, especially in this post-pandemic world. We were all caged up in our homes for yes. you know many, many months, and now we kind of appreciate the ability to get out of our homes more than we probably ever have in recent times. And now people do, they don't, you know, screen free time is, is even more important than ever before. Right. So I would say that, you know, when we're, if you're not taking advantage of audio in your business, in the, in your business, you are missing the bus. The, the train has left the station. So hop on while you can, because it's only going to grow. I agree. Especially looking at my early podcast, which was probably a decade ago. I, I don't remember exactly when, but it's been a while. And how much podcasting has grown since then. It's just amazing. And it almost makes me wish I still had that original one. I don't still have it, but it's grown huge exponentially in the past few years. So it 
will continue. We are not on the decline of that. We are definitely still going upwards. It's so, so true. Great, great tips. So now is your chance to ask me a question. It can be about marketing. If you have a marketing question you'd like to get some extra advice on or about me or my business, I'm wide open. Ask me anything. I would, oh my goodness, this is, ask me anything. This is so great. <laughs> uh, so I would ask, you know, in, in terms of your clients and what you typically see is one of the biggest problems related to their growth. What's the most common thing you're seeing in your clients' um, growth challenges or roadblocks that just in, in recent times? One of the obstacles that we see over and over again, and we are working primarily with entrepreneurs who have had their business for a while and are looking to kind of get to that next phase of growth. We do work with some startups. We do work with the companies that are already, you know, multi-million, but a lot of people are looking for that way to push their business to the next level. And what we see over and over and over again in the majority of them, they come to us having tried little things here and there. They've signed up for this course. They've signed up with this coach. And the problem is when they access one of those things that is almost like an MLM oh where the one yes. person at the top has created this method and the other people learn it. And in a lot of cases, that's the only method that they've learned. And they have specific software you need to use and a specific process. And if you're using a different email platform or something, they don't know how to help you connect it. And so it ends up that you're duplicating effort. It's not something that works seamlessly with what you're already doing. In a lot of cases, it may not even be the best strategy for your type of business because like I said, in most cases, those people may only know that one method. Yes. And so they, they, they can't teach you what they don't know. I always say doing any kind of marketing is better than not doing anything. So if that's where you started, that's great. You've done something and it's obviously gotten you to where you are now. When you really want to get strategic and customize it so it's optimized for your business, that's where kind of we come in. We start helping them strategize, not just what they read on Google, which may have been five-year-old information and they didn't yes. realize and it's not accurate or relevant today, or it's that strategy that this person over here said that, again, may be the only strategy they knew. And there may be other strategies that we've seen work better in the you know thousands and thousands of clients that we've worked with. So for the most part, a mix of information overload, there's so mm -hmm. much information available out there, but it's not all as good as other information. Like I said, it may be outdated. Mm -hmm. It may not be relevant anymore. I've literally seen information shared that is flat out wrong. Yes. Shared recently. Um, I, I did a blog about this a while back that it was a copywriter and on her social media, she started deciding to share information about SEO. The tip that she shared was so bad that it could actually get a website blacklisted. Oh my goodness. And of course, how many of her clients that are following her? I think she had, I don't know, a thousand followers on that platform, oh, no. but how many of them don't know any better? And right. now they're going to go implement that strategy. Sometimes it can be hard to think I need to like hire someone for really high level marketing strategy, but it's not as expensive as you think. 
and it can get you really far, much further than you thought. For example, I've, I've had more than one client recently tell me I never even would have thought of these strategies and it's, it's standard strategies, you know, but they're like, I, I would have never even thought about it. It wasn't on my radar and it's strategies that are effective. Sometimes you got to kind of take the leap, get some of that really high level advice that is unique to you. It's yes. a one-on-one looking at your business, looking at your audience and having access to a whole world of strategies that other people have used make it all work for your business and make it all work together so that it's integrated and holistic. Everything working together gets you further. But definitely one of the biggest barriers we see is the entrepreneur has been doing whatever program or two or three, trying to make them work together. It's helped some, obviously they, they do help, but it hasn't gotten them to where they thought they'd be or where they hoped they'd be and definitely not to where they want to go. That's really the biggest struggle. And again, it's just so much, you know, if you Google marketing right now, you're going to get 38 million or billion, million or billion results. If it's ridiculous. And and how do you choose which one you need? It's crazy. I love it. I love how you help your clients get out of the cookie cutter. Yes. That's really, I mean, you and I both know we've been in this industry long enough. There is no such thing as cookie cutter marketing that's effective for everyone to get them to that next level. So I absolutely love that. And yeah, we'll definitely be chatting. Maybe we'll chat a little bit offline or after this episode about SEO, because I know that is also very important for SaaS companies. And I've had more than one person tell me to go approach folks with those top 10 lists and pay to be on them. So I was like, okay, that's, you know, you got to, and like you said, the advice comes from many different places and not all of them are, are necessarily relevant to where we're at today. So I absolutely love that. Yes, very true. I want you to share how the audience can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about private audio podcasts, which is great, or other information in general. We will share links down in the description. So look down in the description of whatever you're listening or viewing this on whichever platform. Go ahead and share it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So to find more, uh, find out more about Hello Audio, you can just go to helloaudio.fm. You can sign up for a free trial. You'll get it free for seven days. No credit card required. Just try it out and see if you like it. Um, You can actually reach me on Instagram at Nora Sedith, and you can also find me at norasedith.com. Any last thing you have to say or share? Before oh we my go. goodness. I'm just so excited to be here. Your audience is so amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for being here. And for all of you listeners, if you have any marketing questions, you can visit my website, vickywoo.marketing. And on the bottom right-hand corner, there is a chat bubble icon. You can click there and ask your question and we'll try to answer you directly. And we may even use your question on an upcoming episode.